Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Wolfpack Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Carter. I'm filling in for Justin H. Williams on hosting duty, so it's going to be a lot rougher. I'm not as good at it uh, as Justin is, so bear with me on the promo because I don't have it written out in a nice, clean sheet of paper. Um, but before we get to that, I just want to. Um, Remind everybody to subscribe, like, rate this podcast whenever you get a chance. Watch it on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That helps us out. Uh, a little hint. If you subscribe to the YouTube channel and watch us, we actually get a little financial benefit of it. So just a little uh, extra motivation to do that if you like us. And also, please join the website if you haven't already. I know a lot of you have, but... Just 10 bucks for one year right now. You missed a chance if you didn't do it for $1 for a year, but now you can do it $10, and that'll carry you to the start of the next football season. So not exactly a year, but to the start of the next football season. And if you're a member of the site, you would have gotten some basketball recruiting updates. You would have gotten the first heads up on when Dennis Parker is announcing next week on the point guard that might be close to NC State, but now might be taking an official visit somewhere. You would have gotten the first heads up about a football kid announcing his decision on Sunday. Um, not necessarily probably to NC State, but NC State is under consideration. So there's a lot of news you can get there first. Uh, so join for that. And last, uh, the, please take a opportunity to go check out our sponsor. They are a great husband and wife, small business owner um, called RoseShop.com. That's R-O-G as in girl, U-E-S-H-O-P.com. They sell cannabis products so if you're having trouble sleeping or you have high anxiety which i think we all do at some point in life or you're dealing with some kind of chronic pain issue this is a good natural safe way to deal with a lot of those issues you get a variety of products you can get edibles you can get um you can get topical creams oils i got it all there it's a responsible company um, I know the, uh, husband, the husband is a disabled veteran, so it's a, it's a good company to support. They're great friends with the Wolfpacker. If you heard Justin talk about it, he's got some of their products and highly endorsed it. Um, so, great. And they have a chat feature online, so if you had some questions, go to their website. They're more than happy to talk to you to it, uh, guide you through it, and all of that. So, um... If you feel like you need some help in those areas, it's a great resource to try. So, 
Now, with all of that out of the way, I think I hit on everything. Apologies to Justin if I failed miserably, but let's get to the actual podcast. I'm joined by my good buddy, fellow Matt, Matt Coe, fellow Matt C, Matt Coe, um, the biggest diehard NC State basketball fan I know. And Matt, how many days are left until the start of basketball season? Oh, we got 19 days left until Wolfpack basketball is back in our lives. Yeah. Is that the exhibition game or the actual first game? Uh, November 7th is the actual game. That will be the actual uh, tip-off. Okay. So the 19 days go to the first game, not the exhibition mm-hmm. game. Okay. So, right. So this being the bye week in football, is a good time to uh, start previewing NC State basketball. Um, it will be here around the corner. Um we don't have to go into last year. I don't think we all know how last year turned out. So, um, I think in the immediate aftermath of a season like last year, we're all kind of doom and gloom, right, Matt? It was all kind of stunk. Now we get closer, and I know you texted me the other day. You're having to guard against that glass half full optimism, the uh, the optimistic outlook. So. Here we are, less than three weeks to the start of the season. How are you feeling about Wolfpack basketball at this moment? Yeah, there's definitely a gray cloud that is hovering over NC State basketball right now, obviously because of last season. But this is a new season, um, and when you're at the bottom, the only way to go is up. So there is some some expectations around this team. I think that there is a lot more promise with this team. It's not so top-heavy as it was last year. Uh, but there is still a lot of really good talent, a lot of really good pieces that have transferred in that I think are going to surprise a lot of the Wolfpack uh, diehard fans like myself. And um, it, it's going to be an interesting season. They've got a shot to get out of that that bottom half where it's so murky in the ACC right now. A lot of teams of that bottom half lost a lot of key contributors. So, there is uh it's definitely going to be a better season than last year that much is a guarantee uh, but there there is some optimism around the program right now all right so the acc came out with their preseason poll they had nc state 10. agree disagree or ballpark area where you would have them yeah that's about where i have them i have them that fringe 10 9 range i think their peak right now as we go into the season is eight and that's if this backcourt can be what I think it is. I think this backcourt going into the season is fringe top five. You've got a what would be a lottery pick last season in Turquavion Smith looks to be poised and ready to repeat some of that some of that uh, same success. Jarkel Joyner, great score of the basketball. I think we'll, we'll have a really, really nasty backcourt. Uh, that one I'm not concerned about at all. There is a little bit of concern in that, that uh, three – four spot, but I think Jack Clark is a nice surprise using Keats' own own words that John Rothstein had talked about today on Twitter, actually. So I think he's going to be a great piece. Like I said, it's a little murky on that bottom half. The ACC this season is very, very top-heavy. Obviously, you have your Carolinas. I'm big, 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 big on Virginia. Love me some Virginia this year. Miami's going to be really great. And then you've got those those – pesky teams like Notre Dame and Virginia Tech that are going to be fighting for those top five, top six spots. But I think as long as this team this team can stay healthy, which has been the hardest thing for us to do in the last couple of years, if this team can stay healthy for the majority of the season, I don't see why they can't reach that uh, 9-8 spot. But I feel like going into the season, I feel like 10 after after last season is, is pretty good. Eight is a little bullish, but uh, it, it's definitely doable. I kind of look at it, too. You know, you obviously got Duke up there with all the freshmen, uh, top four or five. I think Florida State's kind of a sneaky team this year because they were kind of like NC State. They were hit hard last year by injuries, but, and they, they do have some guys back. Um, and they bought they, they, they uh, got in some transfers as well. You know, Miami obviously picked up a, a transfer, well-publicized, the uh, very lucrative transfer transaction on that one so i think that's like a consensus top five right as you would say unc duke virginia miami florida state that's probably where everybody's saying top five yeah i think 
I, I think that that's pretty accurate. You could maybe uh, put in Virginia Tech or Notre Dame. Those are my two that if there was a team outside the top five that could get to the top five, those are my two. And if somebody like myself were to put one of those in there, I, you wouldn't see an argument from me. Uh, but after about seven is is about where the ACC really takes a, a dip. Um, I think Clemson will be um, better than advertised. But after that, it's it's going to get a little murky for sure. Yeah, after Clemson being at 11 kind of surprised me because they do have a, mm-hmm. a P.J. Hall on their team who I think is a – Potential first team All ACC guy if he's healthy. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Kind of feel like Syracuse might be one of the team. They were picked to finish eighth. I kind of wonder if they might be getting a little bit of brand name head coaching bump on there. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Last year was the first time in Jim Beheim's career that Syracuse finished under five hundred, and that's for a number of reasons. All the Beheims are are gone, so. Um, we'll have to worry about all that. In my personal opinion, I don't see where Syracuse got better. Uh, they've got a couple of nice pieces. Um, they got a really nice point guard, but I don't see where they got better as a whole. So I feel like, like you said, they got that brand name treatment at eight. I don't know if I'd put them that high. Yeah. I kind of wonder if Wake Forest didn't get a little bit of uh, Steve Forbes did it last year, recency bias. He, he well, here's in the portal. Yeah, they they're in a tough spot because I think that Steve Forbes, they got a great one in in Steve Forbes and he really knows how to recruit. The problem with Wake Forest is that they weren't counting on Jake LaRavia to go to the NBA. Right. I don't think that when they brought him in, they thought that he was going to be a three, four year guy and he turned out to leave pretty early. And so having to replace his production, I feel like is going to be really difficult for them that's probably why they're on that back half but still got a really nice uh backcourt and uh williamson's going to be really nice i i think they're they've got a great coach and that great coaching will get them a few of those close wins yeah but they offer they offer i'm blanking on his name because he was acc player of the year candidate last year um alondis williams yeah they weren't expecting him to be a acc player of the year either yeah yeah so um, I kind of wonder if there's a little, I, I don't know. I just feel it's Wake Forest. There's some recency bias that Steve Forbes pulled a couple of tricks out of the hat last year with the transfer portal and surprise. Um, that's going to be hard to replicate again. That's just kind of my thought. I agree with you. I think Clemson and then BC, Pitt, Georgia Tech. I will see what Louisville's in rebuilding mode. It's kind of don't know what, it, what to expect there. I'll tell you what. I, I've... I feel like I've not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I've done a decent job at picking the sleepers in the ACC lately. Mm-hmm. I love me some Boston College. Yeah, uh, they team. are not. Yeah, yeah, they're not a pretty team by any means, but they are led by a really great coach who came in and got the job done in his first year. Had a nice little run there in the ACC uh, tournament. They got Makai Ash and Langford and uh, Demar Langford. Both are really awesome. And Jaden Zachary, for everybody listening, uh, watch him. Just just watch him and, and really take in how underrated of a player he really is. I, I really like BC to, uh, to make some noise. Maybe not, you know, make the tournament or anything like that, but I could see them knocking off a, a top team or two. Be really interested to see how Donald Hand Jr. does, too, at the freshman guys. He's a young man they really liked. I know from talking to sources, they not only liked him as a player, they liked him really as a person, too. Thought he would be a very high-character type of guy in the, in the program. And, um, but BC was probably the most loyal team throughout the recruiting process with him, so they got rewarded, which is probably an admirable thing on his part to do. Thanks if you're an NC State fan. But, uh, so very curious to see how he kind of pans out. Um, kind of how the ACC runs down. I think we're both in agreement. BC was my sleeper team. I wonder how the newcomers do at Pitt. I kind of my a little bit of kid. They got a couple of nice newcomers there. Um, you know, he's a coach that's really got his back against the wall up there with Coach Capel. So it's kind of a make or break year for him. Um, 
Yeah, they uh... – they they looked really good going into the season, that backcourt. I felt like it was the deepest backcourt in terms of product that you'll get um, one through that last spot, I guess. And then this whole situation with Dior Johnson where there was another Dior Johnson in the same area as him. It turned out to – news broke that it was the other Dior Johnson getting arrested. Turns out it was actually the real pit. Panther, Dior Johnson, it was a mess. Um, so I'm not sure if he's even going to be suiting up for the Panthers this year, honestly. So that's a huge, huge loss. And like you said, for Cable going into a year that he kind of has to win, it's not a great start. But they still have Jamarius Burton. Uh, Nike Sabandi is back. He got injured uh, really early, I believe actually be- right before the season, uh, Torres ACL. He's a really great scorer. Obviously, they still have uh, John Hugley, who, in my opinion, is probably the number two center in the ACC. I really like his production. And then a name that NC State fans should know just off of recruiting and transfers, but also what he did to NC State last year mm-hmm. when he played Colgate. Nellie Cummings is an awesome point guard, can really put the ball in the basket. Pitt's going to be an interesting one to watch. If they won't be good, they'll at least be fun. Yeah. <laughs> And don't watch, watch for the Graham twins, the D.I. Graham twins. I've been told, um, I was told last spring that they were two really nice pickups uh, in the spring for Pittsburgh. So that's kind of how the ACC breaks down. But everybody wants to talk about NC State. So let's get into NC State here. I'm in agreement with you. I think we're not going to rehash last year. But one of the things about last year was really didn't have a point guard. You were forced to play. Darion Sebron at point guard. So I think the big question this year, you know Tequavion's an NBA talent. He's an NBA caliber score. Uh, consistency, right? That's what we're looking for, for from him. And some defense are the two things we're looking for at Tequavion. But on the, I don't know. I guess that's my question to you. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being supremely confident, no doubt in your mind, one being, I really don't think it's going to work. Jarkel Joyner at the point guard for NC State. Because he did not play a ton of point guard at Ole Miss. I mean, he did play point right, guard. Right, right. But not the traditional sense of averaging five or six assists and, and being yeah. a player. He had, I believe it was nine games where he had one or less assists. Um, so – he wasn't asked, like you said, to play that traditional point. Do I think it can work as a point guard? I'd probably give it like a six, maybe. Maybe like a five, six, not to ride the fence too hard. But I think the duo of Turquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner is going to work because you got to guard one or the other. And Turquavion's going to be – He's going to have a lot of attention on him. You just have to. And often we might even see him get double teamed. Well, luckily this year, Jarkel is a really great scorer. So I think from that aspect, yes, he'll be really, really good. And he'll be a nice one-two punch with Turquavion. He'll kind of be his Robin almost. It's kind of weird to think about considering he's a fifth-year senior and Turquavion's a a sophomore. Uh, But he'll be his Robin almost. And uh, I like his leadership. I do like that quality. I just am worried about the passing aspect. I know, like we said, he wasn't asked to play that true point guard. And I'm not sure if he'll be asked to play that true point guard here. We've seen a lot of iso ball under Keats. And in in my opinion, I feel like Breon Pass is really the only true, quote-unquote, true point guard. So we'll see how many minutes he gets. Uh, but from a... From a scoring aspect, I think it's going to be really fun to watch for a lot of fans. They're going to complement each other really, really well. From a true point guard stance, it, it definitely worries me a little bit. Yeah. And, and honestly, too, but, but they may not necessarily need that true point guard, right, like you just talked about. I mean, last year, I think the issue last year was obviously Cam Hayes was expected to be that guy, and I think he just kind of had a confidence on his shot, kind of lost it a little bit there, and, and just never really regained the confidence that we know Cam Hayes has the capability of being. And hopefully he discovers that at LSU. Um, but you just need somebody to compliment Quavion back there. 
and, and that was hard to have last year. Even Seabon was a different type of player, right? How well did you see Seabon and Tequavion? You know, they necessarily complement each other well, or were they just two great talents? Props to Seabon making the NBA, by the way. But just two great yep. talents on the court at the same time. And that could, you know, that's two different things we're talking about. They really yep. work well off each other versus what I feel like it was more the case last year. They were just two really good guys on the court. Yeah, and and it was it was so top heavy. It was so if Darion Sebron isn't playing well, or if Terquavion isn't playing well, or if Jericho isn't playing well, if one of the three isn't playing well, it just was going to go downhill fast. And also shout out to Dennis Smith Jr. on the Hornets, and obviously T.J. Warren with the Nets. He might win himself a ring. We'll see. But um, the Hornets are a mess. Yeah. Let's talk about Stan. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, like I said, I think they're going to complement each other well. It's 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 going to be interesting to see how well this team shoots the three. I think Jack Clark is going to play a major role in that, or he needs to. He kind of has to. Uh, Casey Morcel, you don't really think is a you know knockdown shooter. John Rothstein spoke about his prediction for the starting five, and he said uh, Jarkel Joyner. Terquavion Smith, Casey Morsell, Jack Clark, and then DJ Burns. Uh, I think you can make a little bit of noise with that. There's a lot of offensive firepower, that's for sure. Yeah. I just worry about the team shooting and creating space so that Jarkel can get in the lane or Terquavion can get in the lane because um, he's got that bounce to his game. Yeah. I, I actually, the starting five, I've been penciling in myself ever since, uh, you know, you get feedback from the Puerto uh, Puerto, uh, Puerto Rico, right? Is that where they went? No, Bahamas. Mm-hmm. The Bahamas. Uh, but I think they played the Puerto Rican national team. Maybe that's where I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. From. Uh, I definitely think that's the starting five you're probably looking at. Um, and that kind of leads to my next question. Where do you put Casey Morcel? We know Tequavion. And, well, let me ask this about Tequavion. What if you had to rank what he needs to do better this year for NC State? What would be your in order? One, two, three, three things you would like to see him to take that next Ooh. step. See, I asked him. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, last year I, I said that if he's not shooting well, you know, stop shooting it. Don't put up <laughs> as many shots. But that was dead wrong. So <laughs> um, I would like to see the leadership grow from him um he he is going to be asked in quite a few situations to knock down the big shot he's he's going to lead this team in scoring he's going to be the leader of the pack if you will and he kind of has to be for as much hype as he got last year and what he's got going into this year i mean this is a guy that if nc state breaks the top half of the acc i mean we're talking about a top 15 pick and and he could maybe even get there if NC State isn't necessarily in the top half. I mean, he's a really special talent. So definitely first-round pick from him. Um, would like to see some leadership for sure, kind of take that next step with that. Um, I want to see him go in the lane a little bit more. I feel like he's got a lot of bounce to his game, but often if it wasn't with the left hand throwing it down, he wasn't getting in the lane. So I'd like to see him work on that footwork inside, really get around defenders. Don't rely so much on the jump shot, even though he does have a great jump shot. Mix up the game a little bit. And then maybe I would say, let me think here. I guess get other guys involved. And and that also goes with Jarkel Joyner. I just want to see how this ball, because there's a lot of times where the ball almost was in like a black hole, if that makes sense, where it stopped with one guy. And... When that one guy got the ball, there wasn't oftentimes another guy was getting that ball. Now, I'm not saying that was the case necessarily with just Terquavion Smith, but that's one thing I would like to see, a little bit more team effort. And and that's on on not only Jarkel and not only, you know, Terquavion. That's kind of on the whole team. So that that would probably be my three. I'll tell you my three. One, I agree with the leadership, being, being the alpha dog. You are an alpha dog. Your first team all ACC preseason. You got votes for player of the year. Act like it, play like it, uh, you know, that, and that's that's what separates to me the great ones. They walk out on the court, they act like I'm the best player on the court. 
they're not trying yeah. to they're not trying to show they're the best player on the court. They they already act like they you know they they believe it in their soul. I'm the best player on the court, and I'm yeah. And uh, follow. And Terquavion doesn't lack confidence. He has that. Yeah. It's just can he take it to the next mature level? Um, shot selection. I think understanding the value of when when's a good shot. Um, you know, not saying who did this, but I'm just using this as an example in general. When you got a five point lead with 40 seconds to go, uh, well, let's say a minute to go, and the other team's not fouling, you don't shoot it within the first five seconds of the shot clock, right? So understanding not just what's a good shot in terms of what's contested versus not contested, but also a good shot in time and situation as well. And then third defense, that's the main thing I've heard from people who watched his game and really evaluated him from an NBA standpoint with, yeah, let's not even, I think one person even wrote, let's not even talk about his defense. So, <laughs> let's, um, and I think it's just a focus issue, right? I think it's just a focus um, on defense. So understanding, he certainly had the athleticism, he had the reach, he was among the team's leader in steals, but, you know, staying focused on defense, don't worry about the offense until the offensive progression comes. Uh, type of deal. So, where does Casey more sell? I think Casey is actually a pretty good. I'm not a. I know some people don't like a small lineup. Yeah. I don't think it's a big deal when it's just three guards. Like, that's different from having a year one under Kevin Keith when Torn Dorn was a fourth guard playing power forward. I think a three guard lineup is fine in the ACC. And I also think Morcel kind of a good fit for that because he doesn't need the ball to impact a game. Like he can play defense yeah. and rebound. Yeah, that that's a fantastic point. I think yeah. it's perfect for him to be in that three spot as long as his defense carries that weight. If he can be that lockdown defender, if he can be that leaky black, if you would, you know, glue guy, then it's going to work out beautifully. But if his defense isn't lacking, the problem with Casey is that he's not necessarily an offensive juggernaut, that it's going to kind of mask the defensive woes that he might be having in that game. Now, if he's a knockdown shooter and just that casual 3 and D guy, that would work too. But like we said before, he's not necessarily a sharpshooter from deep range. Um, so if he, if he can knock down those shots and, and that defense is carrying him, I don't care. He can go out there and average – three points for all I care. As long as that defense is is on par, he's exactly what we need him to be, that three. Now, let's say the defense isn't really there and you were to move him you know, to the bench. My question would be, what other options do you have than maybe putting Jack Clark at the three, giving you a little bit more size? And then this is going to be kind of a wild card I'll throw at you. But I really love the way Ernest Ross was playing right before he got hurt, and it still confuses me that he wasn't seeing more minutes. If he can get back to that play, that consistent play that we saw right before he got hurt, I'm okay with him You know, put, putting him at the four. He would just have to not be able to knock down threes, which when we were recruiting him was somewhat an asset, asset of his game. It uh, wasn't really a focal point, but – I like how he runs the floor um, really, really well. So maybe that's, you know, towards ACC play when we're kind of playing with the roster and the starting five and if things aren't working out. But for right now, yeah, Casey should be the three. Yeah, I think, to your point, I think Kevin Keith had kind of been, you know, pretty blunt in his press conferences that Ross is still not quite where he needs to be from getting back into the getting over the injuries and I'm not sure if he's talking about conditioning or maybe he's talking about the mental aspect of it or what, but, um, you know, I do think you have a little bit of time. We, we, we hadn't even talked about the schedule, but let's be honest, that first month of schedule, until you go to the Bahamas, it, it, you know, you're looking at, at how, I don't even know how many games it is, Matt. Let's see, one, two, I mean, you got a nice four-game, two-week lead-in. Right lineup in the Bahamas and then you go with that lineup in the Bahamas, see how they do and then I think to your point then you start evaluating, okay this something that has potential or this something we need to switch up um, the Bahamas will be a great test, no question about that, you're going to get three likely three really good games 
Uh, right. Yeah. You're definitely getting Kansas. So, I mean, get ready for that one. Yeah. But Wisconsin and Dayton is going to be a good one as well. That's that's really solid for sure. Well, I think the curious thing about Jack Clark is what kind of foot speed does he have? Right. We can stretch it out. And from what I gathered from talking to multiple people, very impressive rebounder, which is what probably surprised them the most. It gives them the hope that he can be a, a power forward in the lineup, is that he can really rebound and he can stretch the floor. Which, when we get to DJ Burns, if you can have Clark and Joyner and Smith and Morcel all hanging around the perimeter, that opens the paint wide open for DJ Burns to go to work. Yeah. Paint, which is awesome. Isn't that, isn't that amazing to think about that four of our starting five, and this is just to, you know, this is what college basketball is at this right. point. Four of our starting five were transfers. Yeah. That's amazing to think about. That's just basketball. We're watching it kind of transition a little bit, you know, and and the transfers are going to have a big role on this team. It, it bummed me out. I'll be, I'm old school. I grew up. <laughs> See, when I grew up, the ACC was nine teams. It just got to nine teams. You played every team twice, and everybody stayed. And so I couldn't yeah. write down the roster of all nine teams, every player on yeah. the team, year to year. I knew who was. You know, I just had, you just had to loan a couple guys a year that were freshmen, and they weren't going to play a lot. So, right. you know, and then it just totally flipped on its head to now you wonder, is there going to be anybody on this roster who's going to spend all four years at NC State? Maybe Bouillon Pass, but maybe. Yeah, maybe an Ernest Ross. I mean, Dewana is three fourths of the way there, but uh, yeah. But still, it, it, it's something to think about. I mean, it kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's where it's where college basketball is, and like you said, like it's unfortunate that it's gotten to this, but transfers win you know it's it's why so rarely you see these powerhouse blue bloods with all these five-star freshmen either make it really far and just come short or don't live up to the hype you know now you're starting to see it with carolina and, and kentucky bringing back some big names but you know bringing back those old guys man it works it, it helps out the the roster a lot but you know bringing it back to what you said about dj burns i, I think if we're knocking down shots, it'll really help him out inside. I think fans are going to be really happy with his scoring. He's probably the best scorer, big man-wise, that Keats has had, um, or at least right up to par with, with DJ Funderburg. Um, I, I think he's he's going to be a really, really nice addition. Like you said about Jack Clark, ESPN's got him listed at 6'8". Um, so he's he's got the size and the rebounding. The rebounding has has not been great lately, at NC State, but I think this year there's a shot for that to, to change for the better. I think one thing, too, about this team, that it depth at four and five. You have a lot of options at four and five. You have Dewana back. We talked about on this Ross. You got Greg Gant, who didn't play last year, transfer from Providence. Um, and you have Deshaun Mohostic, uh transfer from Utah. So you got five guys that can play those four and five spot yeah and are we going to get to see greg gant this year i know that a lot of fans are wondering what is going on with that situation he's been in the program now for a couple of years and we haven't even gotten to watch him play but are we actually going to get to see him play this year matt yeah he, 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 unless he has an injury between now and no, which is no, <laughs> now and november 7th yeah he's supposed to i know he had another injury before they went to the bahamas which is kind of crazy for the, for the young man. He's actually one of the nicest young men you'll ever talk to if you get to spend time with him in person. But, like, I'm not worried about the depth at the four and five. I'll tell you what I am worried about. Depth at one, two, and three. I mean, there's a lot of assumptions that Jack Clark will have the foot speed to play on the perimeter. But what if he doesn't? Then what are you going right. to do in the back? You, I mean, maybe you're just playing the role, Joyner, and... Quavion out there, 35-plus minutes a game. That's probably true, by the way. But other than Breon Path, are there a lot of options to give you minutes in the backcourt? That's kind of my concern right now. 
Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a concern, and and you are uh, right in feeling that way because it's it's so weird to think about that. In all five years now, in year six, it's almost it's it's like it's flipped. We've always had a plethora of guards and not enough big men. I guess after last year, it's just like we're, we've had enough with the center position dwindling down. Like we are going to have a big man <laughs> in that paint. So. So that's always great to see, but yeah, the for the, for a team that is so guard driven and, and guard heavy as it's been, it's definitely concerning. But one thing, if you want to kind of flip it on its head and, and look at it from a different lens, we're seeing a little bit of growth from Keats in an aspect of roster management. Now, personally, I think we needed a three more than anything, but I think it's interesting to see him kind of flip the roster and try something new. Um, whatever we were doing the last couple of years wasn't working, doing something new. So I, I can uh, I can applaud him on that. You've got L.J. Thomas, um, the recruit uh, out of high school who was right outside the I believe the top one hundred to one thirty. I'm blanking on where he was ranked initially, but he's a nice little scorer. But the problem with him is you know we've talked about it. He hasn't played basketball in a while. He he sat out, and so what are you going to get out of him? Is he going to play a lot of minutes? I'm definitely excited about Breon Pass. If you know me, I love Breon Pass. So hopefully we can see him run the point a little bit. And, you know, if you really want to run a, a small guard system, maybe throw Turquavion at the three. Maybe put Breon at the one and Jarko at the two. There, there's there's ways to play with this starting five for sure. Uh, but one injury from a guard could be kind of detrimental for this team. So we really, really got to stay healthy. That's exactly right. I mean, that's what I've been thinking about a lot is how last year going into the year, the one you would say, look, if Manny Bates stays healthy, that's huge. Well, obviously, he did not. And yeah. It always seems that way. The one place where you're like, we cannot get an injury here. This player cannot get hurt. Always that NC State, at least. I remember talking to some, I did a lot of radio interviews before football season. They say, how good could NC State be? And as long as Devin Leary stays healthy, that's my number one concern. I mean, he just has to stay healthy. Well, look what happened, you know. Um, yeah. Shout out to Devin. You, you know how they say, you know, like in, in the NFL, like one team got the injury bug? Yeah. I feel like the entire program, like the school, <laughs> keeps getting the injury bug. Yeah. It's insane. And so, you're right. Jarkel and Taquavion have to stay. And they got to stay out of foul trouble uh, yeah. in the game. I, I do. I think Bouillon can comfortably come in and play in the backcourt. You mentioned you can maybe get away with Tequavion, Jarkel, and Casey, you know. But I would have liked to have seen another wing forward on the roster. If there's one yeah. nitpicky yeah. thing about the roster for me, I would have liked to have seen another 6-5, 6-6. And they tried. I, I think they – I mean, they were yeah. kids, They were recruiting – it's hard when the guys in the transfer portal see Dequavion Smith coming back and Jarkel Joyner transferring in. Um, they want shots, right? They all want to be right. a 15 points per game guy. So, but I think that's the one area of this roster that's kind of lacking is that one more 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", depth piece on the wing. On yeah. That. Yeah, that's that's going to be key for sure, and and that's the thing is that if this offense isn't clicking, let's say you know, Terquavion's having a bad game or whatever the case may be, or if a, if a guard does go down, Breon will have to step up. We don't necessarily need him to score. He's a smart player. He plays really solid defense, gives you effort. You know, is able to get other guys the ball, but you'll see a more inside scoring presence with with Burns and, like you said, um, with. Uh, Grant uh, or Gant, excuse me, Gant, and so we're gonna see an NC State team that I don't think we've seen as of late. It's gonna gonna be like you said, it's gonna be a little bit more loaded, a little bit more depth, but hopefully can attack you in different ways if one is lacking. I'm gonna let you think about it for a second. I will start off there. But what would be one pleasant development that could be a game changer for NC State? One thing I was thinking is. Casey Mochelle and Bouillon Pass and Jack Clark being good three-point shooters. I think it's in them, all three of them. There's nothing wrong with Mochelle's form. 
on his shot. He kind of quietly made 35% of his threes last year, which isn't terrible. Uh, I know Bouillon Pass can shoot it. He was 8 of 28 last year, but I know he's a better shooter than that. And Jack Clark obviously made six threes against the Puerto Rican national team. If they can become a team that has four or five guys that can make threes, or at least three guys on the floor at all times that can make threes, I think that would be a huge difference maker. I, I'm a little concerned about how defensive, how good they can be defensively. Um, you know, that, being blunt, that's kind of, I think, the big question mark about DJ Burns. And, you know, go ahead and see, anticipate teams trying to pick and roll and she take to death with the five spot if they can pull that off. Um, and so you have that aspect of it. So I'm a little worried about how well they can defend teams. I think this is a team that's going to have to score a lot this year. But I think it's capable of scoring a lot, especially if those guys make threes. Yeah, so definitely. What would be your pleasant, for you, a pleasant development that would really turn the season forever? Where you're thinking, thinking now, 9-10 range ACC, they're all of a sudden, maybe they're up there with Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, or that pesky ACC. Right. Well, I will say going into the season, right before that Puerto Rican national game, the exhibition game, my answer would have been Jack Clark. He's far and away, like he seems like he's going to work out. So that's always great. You had mentioned the defense. Ken Palm has us at 118th. So, yeah, we're probably not going to be too great on defense. But the offense is just outside the top 55. They're sitting at 56 for right now. I know this is all preseason, but just bear with me, people. Um, so <laughs> – I, I would have said Jack Clark, so I'm going to transition. Breon Pass, uh, we, we need him to work out because, like you said, we're not very deep at the guard position, and I feel like he is the only true point guard. And uh, he can create shots for guys like Jarkel and Turquavion. So we need him to work out. And I'm just excited to see Greg Gann. I think that you put Greg Gann in that lineup, and you know you had mentioned the, the, the speed of, of Jack Clark. If he can keep knocking down those shots like he was in, in Puerto Rico and rebounding the ball well, and we wanted to go with a taller lineup, we could. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he's got just because we haven't seen it. We literally haven't seen him play. Yeah. So I, I'm watching him, and, um, man, who's going to step up, I guess, um, off the bench? I, I want to see a I'm, – I'm big on the six-man – Who's going to be our sixth man is more so the question mark for me. Yeah. Uh, who's going to step into that role? I, as much as I love Breon, I don't know if I'd want him to be my sixth man necessarily because I, I would consider a sixth man a scorer. So who's going to be that scoring type? Um, so Casey's, Casey's going to be an interesting one. I could see him maybe being plugged into that sixth man role just because we don't really have too many other options. Um, but whoever can be plugged into that sixth man role, whether it be Casey, Breon, or, or Greg Gant, then that would be my pleasant surprise. Let's uh, talk real quick about the schedule. Um, not the best schedule this year. We were nice yeah. schedule last year. Anybody that listened, to, I was preaching it from the get-go, and I, yeah. when I, you were on the same page with me. Last year was a really nice. That was a smart schedule. Yeah. If NC yeah. State had been in a better position at the end of the age, if the season had gone differently, no, that was a schedule that gets you in the NCAA tournament. That was yeah. a schedule that moved you up a couple seed lines right. in the NCAA tournament. Uh, yeah. The first four games, Austin P, Campbell, Florida International, Elon. We're going to be running your uh, Matt nice enough to write some non-conference breakdowns for us. So we'll be running those on the site soon. Um, any of those four, in your opinion, Worthy of much discussion. Um, so saying that this schedule is weak is a nice way of putting it. Um, this is a really bad schedule, in my opinion. Uh, not to be too negative, but it's it's very very weak. We are relying on that battle for Atlantis. Uh, hopefully, walking out with a miracle against Kansas, and that's not to put us down. That's just if you beat Kansas, I don't care who you are. That's come on, it's Kansas. They just won the whole freaking thing so um and then you know later in the season we can talk about Furman here in a little bit 
But this is a schedule last season that ranked 67th. So for everybody trying to put down my love for the mid-majors, you were wrong. All right, the mid-majors is where it's at. Um, you know, you beat Colgate last year. Great win. Way to defend home court. Like you said, if you're a better team, winning against Wright State, that's a – that's if you're on the bubble, that gets you into the tournament. And I know that it's not a pretty win to look at, but Wright State was a good little uh, team last year. They had some nice games on that schedule. This one, Steve, not so much. Uh, Louisiana Tech, that was a nice little win by the end of Another the really nice one. There was multiple conference champions on that schedule, and I know that they weren't conference champions of the Power Five, but beating yeah. mid-majors is also a big deal too, That yeah. especially when you're scheduling all – all, basically almost all the mid-majors that we scheduled last year were either selected to win their championship or come in second. So give me that all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. This schedule right now, if you include uh, Wisconsin or Dayton, depending on uh, which one you choose, it's sitting right at um, one, uh, I believe it was 170-ish. It was in that mid-170. And then we'll determine after, once we get that third game in the battle for Atlantis. So steep, steep drop-off. I will say, though, there is not anybody outside of Campbell that is inside the top 200 in Ken Palm ranking, so that's never great to look at. But if you want to watch a good, fast game that's going to be a lot of points scoring and it's going to be really great guard play, that FIU game is going to be nonstop back and forth. Your neck is going to hurt. Uh, that's, that's a game that I'm at least interested in watching, and if you're a betting man like myself, take the over. <laughs> Uh, because both teams like to use their guards and they like to run fast. So in that early slate of games, that FIU one is at least going to be entertaining. Yeah. And uh, obviously we got the three in, in, in the battle for Atlanta, Kansas. I think the worst team on Ken Palm was Butler, which is like 120-something. Mm-hmm. Um, if they play anybody but Butler in that last game, it's probably another top 50 Ken Palm team, which would significantly upgrade your right. schedule. It is not as bad as Keith's worst schedule. I think we both we could probably make that clear. I mean, he literally had the worst non-conference schedule. Double <laughs> A tournament. This is more right. like nationally speaking, from one to three sixty, it's almost dead smack in the middle. Yeah, that it's just not a schedule that's going to earn you bonus points by any stretch. All end. I got to say is you better do really, really good in the ACC. <laughs> if you're relying on if we do pull out a Butler and we win that game, and me personally, just because of bad blood, I'd love to play Wisconsin and, and try to beat them again. Um, if everybody remembers those games from the past. I don't know if beating Butler and if we're playing what if. I don't know if beating Butler and Wisconsin is getting you – sniffing the NCAA tournament. If if this team does turn out to be pretty good, I just you, you need you need to do really well in the ACC. And that's where a non-conference schedule is important. That's why I harp on it. It, it determines your margin for error in the ACC. It determines mm-hmm. whether or not at the end of the year, a 9-11 and 11 ACC season, they're playing 20 ACC games now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hard to keep up with. But like, that determines whether a 9-11 and 11 ACC season might be good enough, depending on what those wins are, versus probably needing to win 11 or 12 ACC games at the end of the year. And that's where non-conference comes into play. It really dictates the entirety of your margin of error when you get to be ACC. I do think Furman is a nice opponent in Raleigh, one that I know you're very excited about. I am Vanderbilt. I saw where they were picked, I think, to finish 12th. Yeah, twelfth in the SEC. So to see them at sixty six in Kempom was really bizarre. Yeah, I think odds are it'll be a quad two game. Right. It's in Chicago to so get some bonus points there. It'll be a neutral court game. Um, it's not a bad they, game. It's just, yeah, it, it's a solid P five game. I mean, that's probably who you were gonna play on that stature of if we were in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's probably the same range of of yeah. competition we were gonna play. So it's more of a lateral step, not really above or below. I just would like to have played Vanderbilt when they had Scottie Pippen Jr. <laughs> I think that's a solid win if you can get that. They were actually a really good team last year who snuck out a couple of wins in the SEC tournament, I believe, if I'm Maybe remembering. Yeah, 
Um, and so I believe that they did get their second leading scorer back. And so uh, it's it's an okay game. You know, it's it's a game you can't lose, that's for sure. Uh, but that Furman game is going to be a big one. That's the game that if we are fighting and we're on that bubble and you can point to that Furman game, that one's going to get you into the tournament. Yeah. Like, hands down. They, they got both their top two scorers back. Furman lost on a last-second, ridiculous, magical buzzer beater against Chattanooga. And in my opinion, if Furman would have made the tournament, they probably would have won a game or two. I, I am very, very big on Furman. And it's not just because I love mid-majors. I think, in my opinion, Furman is going to be either the second or the third toughest game on our schedule, depending on who we get uh, in that third game. Yeah. Uh, the two games before Furman-Vanderbilt, which I like it being the last two non-conference games, by the way. I, I wasn't a yeah. big fan in the past. Um, I know Kevin Kidd kind of had a belief of scheduling some of your softest games right before ACC because you're ready to you're fresh for the ACC. But I didn't think that approach worked as much. I like the fact that they're now going Furman and Vanderbilt. And last yeah. two. One thing I don't like about the Vanderbilt game, 10.30 tip-off, by the way. That stinks. <laughs> and I believe that's probably one of them events where there's, like, multiple games. So right, yeah. Counting on a 10.30 tip-off, that means there's a game before it, which means it's really not going to be, like, an 11 p.m. Hopefully it's not another four-overtime game yeah, yeah. <laughs> like last year. Uh, William and but, Bay and Coppin State before that, they kind of fall in line with your Elon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think those are the three lowest-ranked Elon, William and Bay, Coppin State. Yep. I mean, if you're a glass half full, you're hoping a Campbell or an Austin P or an FIU sneaks up and is a little better. Right. And, and I think I think in terms of, all right, you're prepping for Kansas, I think it's smarter to have your – like you said, have your have your tougher opponents in the in the back half. I like that strategy, and I'm okay with scheduling weaker opponents leading up to that Kansas game because you really got to know your starting five by then, and and especially by that Furman game as you're getting into tougher competition and stuff like that. Um, so I'm okay with those warm up games. It's just I just wish that that warm up game was a little bit warmer, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's it's a it's a cold start, if you would. Yeah, like I said, we are, I last year I'm looking at the schedule. We're talking Colgate, NCAA tournament team, Oklahoma State. Unfortunate situations there with what they were going through, but that was a probably would have made it though. Yeah, um, Texas Southern won their conference. Louisiana Tech came very close to winning their conference. You know, Nebraska is a Power Five team. Their their season kind of fell apart, but that was an okay game at the time. Um, Purdue. Obviously, he was a great opponent on the neutral court. Richmond, a really nice opponent. That's another one is you were better and you win your Richmond and Wright State to go with your wins over Colgate and Louisiana Tech and Texas Southern. That's going to look good on your resume yeah. at the end of the year. And yeah. it would help out your analytics. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't looked at, at all the conference preseason rankings and, and the uh, conference, you know, player of the years and stuff like that. But I'll go on record and say that probably you got Kansas, Dayton, and Furman are probably the three that are picked at least one or two, you know, if not to win their their conference. Outside of that, I mean, you're looking at bottom half teams, yeah. which, hey, you know, Try to make the record look good and then squeeze out a few nice wins in the ACC. And you have that third game is the one that we, it's the wild card, as we mentioned, because you could play a Tennessee if everything goes really well. Um, then, then that's an elite game. But you could also play a Southern Cal, which would be a very nice third game. You could play a BYU, which is preseason top 50. Um, yeah. So if you get anybody but Butler, you're getting a really highly regarded. Not that Butler, by the way, is bad or savvy yeah yeah it's another nice solid win i will say i feel like a lot of nc state fans are kind of hoping we play butler just because you know we want to see manny obviously so i don't know we'll see yeah let's see how that pans out so all right uh i'm gonna leave it with this i have one bold prediction from matt co what's your bold bold glass half prediction all right bold prediction 
could be individual um, or a team, by the way. You don't have to put it. Oh, I don't have to pick NC State? No, 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 no. For NC State, but it could be okay, individual okay. NC State. Okay, because my bold prediction would have been Carolina not being as good as everybody thinks. Well, but, that, that's um, a good bold prediction, too. As well. <laughs> but, uh, man, NC State, I don't want to be too basic and say Turquavion wins ACC Player of the Year. He only got one vote for preseason player of the year. So I, I guess you could say that's pretty bold. I'll say I'll say NC State makes the tournament. Uh guards guards win in March and and this sport is driven by great guard play. And I think we've got two really, really good guards that are, like I said, gonna be French top five. They will win. They will they will make the tournament and they will win one game. That's my extra spicy hot take. That's about as bold as you can get. I like. To <laughs> I try to go really, really bold there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even. Gonna try, I'm. T- I'm not even going to try to top it. So. <laughs> on that. Um, you asked me to be bold, so I, I just went to level ten. <laughs> yeah, you did. So, uh, I, I will say this: I think, and I talked to some people, and they really feel like this team can be a lot more competitive than people probably anticipate for a lot of the reasons you, you just said. Guards win, and they do feel. Jarkel joined there with a leading score for two years in a row on an SEC team. And this is his sixth year of college basketball. And Tequavion Smith is a potential lottery pick. That says a lot. And I think being old as well. Uh, it's quite yeah. possible they put out a starting lineup of four guys who have been in college basketball for four years or more. Yeah. And there's some value in that as well. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, the prediction that people are going to hate me for it, I disagree with you. I think Carolina will win uh, the ACC. Um, but I think you're on the Virginia bandwagon, so I'll let I, that I, be your other bold take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm big on Virginia. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't fall in love with Carolina like everybody else. <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it. Reminder that please check out our great sponsor, RogueShop.com. Get all your cannabis natural uh, medications for, or not medication, but natural supplements for anxiety or chronic pain or sleeping disorders or anything that can just kind of calm. You just want to be calm and relaxed, chill out. This is a great way to do it. Healthy, natural way to do it. A reminder, um, they're online. They have a chat function where you can talk to them and get some more information. And uh, as a reminder, we are on Facebook at the Wolfpacker. We are on Twitter. Matt, what's your Twitter handle real quick? At underscore Matt Co. It's spelled M-A-T-T-C-O-E. Got it. And then um, we are at the Wolfpacker on Twitter. We also have an Instagram at Facebook. And uh, please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And not a member of the site. Take advantage of that. $10 through Start of next football season. So that'll cover all of basketball season, all of the transfer portal in football, all of the silly season in basketball, all of the summer football recruiting months, all of that. So there's a lot to be had for just 10 bucks. So in today's economy, that's a really good deal, I might add. So take advantage of that. So for Matt Coe, I'm Matt Carter, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.